your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Ryan following Everton's 2-2 draw at Goodison Park against Jose Mourinho's Spurs. Bit of a frustrating after or evening rather at, at our home ground after we took the lead and conceded it and ended up taking just one point from a match that was basically our last grasp at potentially getting Champions League football, but some really interesting stats on the prior to this, the four meetings between Everton and Tottenham at Goodison park before this had produced 22 goals total uh, eight for Everton, 14 for Spurs. Of course, one of those being the most recent five, four FA cup uh, pandemonium chaos match madness, which was wild. And, uh, of course, just worth highlighting our recent very poor home form in that we've now won just one of our last nine Premier League home matches, three draws and five losses. Uh, And this was the first match in any of those nine matches that we've scored more than once. Uh, So lots of goals at Goodison in the the run-up to this, Ryan, and we've struggled with scoring. Now we want to give a... Big shout out to our esteemed producer, James Harper, for the correct score prediction on the Discord server with the 2-2 call. Um, That's yeah, amazing. Man, let's just, no let's, one else got that one. No man. one that was, uh, it, yeah. I See, we should have looked at those numbers there. Who would have thought that Spurs' Jose coach team would be the cure for our offensive ills at Everton? It, just, it doesn't really make sense, does it? No, and like we have been playing relatively defensively playing a little smash and grab lately due to all the injuries. And so uh, some key players returning to the lineup in this one, Ryan, we had Jordan Pickford come back. We had Allen come back into the midfield, which was huge. Um, And then we also had a Wobie reintroduced to the lineup. So, and we also of course had Josh King return to the bench. So a little bit uh, more depth for the toffees than against Brighton, which was obviously uh, hopefully the, pits of despair in terms of Everton's injury problems this year yeah yeah as we said that's not a typical Everton side I mean come on we're missing five out of our six midfielders it it really did frustrate me a lot to see on social media people saying well this is how we've played all year no it's not I mean come on man I mean I understand playing defensively but that's not what Brighton was about Brighton was about I mean Mason Holgate had to play a defensive mid come on um Andre Gomes being a surprise omission was yeah interesting some of the accounts as to why i can't remember if it was Kirkbride or who was kind of ca- almost categorized it in a way like andre didn't feel like playing I, I don't know if that's fair too i mean i have a feeling that's probably not really what happened um but uh when the lineup came out i, I, I was a little confused tactically too i yeah. was thinking god goodness gracious is I saw one snapshot of it that someone had sent me that indicated that Awobi was actually playing the 10 and Gilfi was on the left. I thought, nah, that doesn't really make any sense. I don't think there was a reason to play a back three, two against Spurs, considering they had been dropping Kane a little deeper. And, and we'll talk about their setup in a second and putting Sun over on the one side. I was just hoping it wasn't Awobi as a wing back again. I, I think we've established that's not the right recipe. Um, We'll get into the tactics a little bit. It, it, it was probably a 4-2-3-1, four, four, an asymmetrical one. But when we attacked, we definitely had three back. We definitely defended in 4-4-2, four, four, which I think was a good idea. Um, 
And I mean, Spurs is somewhat predictable who they were going to play, but they've been shuffling a little bit in and out of the midfield. Um, interesting lineup, though. I mean, you look at that lineup and you think, man, they have some dangerous players, you know, and, and on paper, they've got a lot more, I think, than we have considering our injuries. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are when the Spurs lineup first came out. Uh, no real surprises, I guess. Yeah, I just think in general, high level, this seemed to be a match that neither fan base was particularly looking forward to given the poor form as of late for both sides. And I, I think that Jose seems to be obviously struggling to, to get the best out of this group yeah. of players. I think they have a strong, on paper, strong lineup, but some really interesting tactical decisions made by Jose today, which I don't really think set his team up to be as successful as they could have. No, and I think the big surprise was the idea that they were going to go with the back three. I mean, they yeah. even even they played four one four one and against Man U. They started four four two against Newcastle, which obviously didn't go particularly well. But they did well against Villa in a four four two. Yeah, I think it was a three four one two with uh, Regulon and Serge Aurier pushed up higher. Um, and frankly, it didn't work. I don't know how else to really say. You know, we're looking at average positions here in their pass map. Um, I think to categorize it, Son and Kane had trouble keeping the ball. The whole Spurs team had trouble keeping the ball, really. I mean, you know, Everton had more of the possession. I think the issue is when Harry Kane drops deep, only Son's really in front of him, and he's somewhat isolated. Um, I think the decision to play Ben Godfrey at right back for Everton made sense because he's a guy yeah. that has the pace and can kind of stay with him a little bit. I, I thought Eric Dyer actually did a very nice job of finding Harry Kane. That was probably as the game wore on their most effective way of transitioning to offense, Tangy and Dombele was a threat at times, but other times he just gave the ball away. And, and I think when he wasn't rolling around on the ground saying he's dead, <laughs> we'll get to that. That was a freaking disgrace. Um, but, but I think ultimately what happened is that if the thought is to play the three center halves and push the wingbacks up and have them attack, attack from wide spaces, it didn't work. I mean, how could you argue that? I mean, Aria was more active on the right side, but he lost the ball a bunch. Regulon created very little, and I think he is a absolutely fantastic player. Spurs were one of six in crosses. And yeah, they've I mean, been active on the wide spots, I think, leading up to this, too. I mean, they haven't taken more. I mean, six crosses. I mean, Jesus, the last time they took that few when we looked it up was, I mean, early March against Fulham. So clearly it didn't work. I thought the Everton set up very different in attack versus defense, but it did seem to work a little bit. Yeah, it was basically a 4-2-3-1 um, in defense. You could say that we we pushed up uh, Ben Godfrey as well as Luca Dean to be like a 3-4-2-1 in attack. Um, but we had basically Ben Godfrey out playing right back, Mason Holgate and Michael Keane in the center. Um, and Wobi ended up playing being – pinned back pretty effectively wasn't really able to get forward all that much he didn't um, play well i mean i i, no, I will i mean yeah. you got to give a little he credit didn't. though in the 4-4-2 in terms of if sigerson's going to play you know in defense if sigerson's going to play that left mid and wobie's at right mid they they have to deserve both collectively some credit for thwarting the wingbacks you know what i mean so yeah that, that's the one that's the one thing you got to give him a little bit of credit him and ben godfrey made it very difficult for them to be successful down the left side but i mean you look at the pass map it's I think you're right. Three, four, two, one in attack is virtually what it became, but it's still very left-sided. I, I, I think that the biggest issue we had there is 
it was effective with James roaming all over the place. But oh. on the right side, there's still there was space to exploit, I think, on the right wing. Wobie's not the guy to do that. He's going to cut inside. And we know when he cuts inside on the right side, he's on his left foot, which isn't quite as good. Gottfried actually had four touches in the box. I forgot about that. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Um, so there was opportunity exploit that we never really did until we sub Coleman on. But um, it was fun to watch Thomas roam around, though, wasn't it? I mean, he was spectacular. Yeah, I think this was a, a really interesting kind of uh, convergence of a few different factors. I mean, I think having Allen back in the midfield was obviously yeah. huge in the sense that not only does he add something himself, but he also, I think, has a, some pretty decent synergy with Tom Davies and they were just kind of a really compact central unit together. Surprised uh, by that a little bit. Well, what about you? Yeah. You know, I, I almost think, you it know, they really work. They were basically side by side and you would think, you know, one would maybe sit back to allow the other to roam forwards. You could debate who I think probably Tom Davies sitting deeper, maybe giving Allen that license to go ahead. But I think Spurs lack of pressure really just allowed us to sort of get into the flow it allowed Hamas to have more time and space than he's been accustomed to compare it to the the Brighton match where he was basically getting swarmed by like five players every time he touched the ball Spurs just didn't seem very interested they seemed very content to let Tom Davies kind of roam around and have all sorts of space and time and have pick out Hamas and, and it was really good to see some of the positive aspects of Everton that we've know that this team has been capable of this season return after it's been, it's been a long time since we've seen anything of that nature. So I can't believe they didn't pressure us more though. It's very interesting. If you sit back and think maybe Jose just has tremendous respect for Carlo. I know they have a good relationship, but I just, for a guy that prides himself on the preparation, you know, adjusting tactics to address other teams. Like that's right. always been his calling card. You know what I mean? Not, having a strong individual identity, but always addressing and figuring out how to deal with other teams on a game by game basis, man, I just, I, I just can't believe this is kind of how they decided to set up, but maybe it is a little bit personnel. Cause I feel like some of their midfielders had a, had an off game to say the least bit, but, but that being said, it was a really entertaining game, even though it was a little was. sloppy earlier. Uh, so let's definitely get into the timeline. Cause there's a lot to talk about there. It was certainly dramatic, um, really not much happened early in the game. It was a little bit sloppy. I mean, Hoiberg got, got the yellow early. I think that was actually probably very helpful for us. Um, Tom Davies getting the yellow was concerning, but I think he did. Okay. It was basically Richarlison getting kicked Tom Davies fouling people. Um, oh, and I forgot I would be remiss to mention the tragedy we averted in the 16th <laughs> minute. I mean, thank God. I, I, were you concerned? I was very concerned. Oh, terrified. It was, uh, Basically, almost had a dead player on our hands. Yeah, I mean, you know, Godfrey got his hand up slightly, and um, I mean, Adomble, I thought he was dead. I thought I he thought was he, dead. I thought he got sniped, like from the, right when it, in the rafters at Gunnison. Yeah, or like Godfrey was like WWE style. He's like hiding the blade in his yeah. like, wristband and slashed his forehead or something. I mean, he was, was on the ground. He screamed. I was just concerned. I mean, I was like, all the medics get someone into Goodison. Oh my god. Turns out he wasn't hurt at all. He was fine. And look, that's just, in some ways, that's just the way the game goes these days. You've got players embellishing injuries, but that was uh, one of the most notable events, at least in the first 20 odd minutes. Uh, yeah. And then the 22nd minute, Ryan, we finally had some legitimate opportunities. 
action, you know? Yeah. Um, and this is, this is a little bit how it went today. You know, Sun lost the ball, um, and that was very typical of him and Ndombele, frankly. They were creators. Sun didn't play particularly well, I think. The setup neutralized him a bit. Loses it, kind of a smash up in the middle of the pitch. Davies comes up with it lovely across the body square pass to Awobi. Awobi plays it to James, and off we go. Um, Richie makes a lovely run, finds a channel in between uh, Toby and and who was playing on the right center half position, which is kind of strange. Um, I thought I figured he'd be in the middle. I think this is an example too of them not being used to playing the three center halves. There was too much space there in that channel, and Thomas plays him in incredibly well. The first touch Richarlison takes is just so unbelievable. Good, Tees him up perfectly, tries to curl it in and get cute with it, doesn't quite get around it. But like you saw that and you're like, wow. Okay. I mean, there, there was, yeah. oh yeah, you're excited because there was a tremendous amount of skill there. James breaking and it was fluid and fast. And we hadn't seen that in a while, um, which goes to show you that the Brighton Hold Albion game had nothing to do with how Everton's playing. We're capable of playing like that. I, I think that was, had us excited. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. what happened in the 27th had us deflated. Yeah, it was a bit of a uh, reversal of fortunes, a bit of a womp, womp, womp moments, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. as has been kind of the case for Everton. So many times this season, we had Tanky and Dombele cross from wide left. Keen tries to make a play. I think he probably either mistimes his jump or just misreads it a little bit. Skims off the top of his head. Holgate also kind of misplays it. He like jumps forward, might have tripped. That's tough. Kane is just left alone. And look, you leave Harry Kane alone, even with, he still has a lot to do to get it down onto his foot and volley it in. But a guy of his, the player of his quality is going to make that probably 10 times out of 10. And he does just that side volley and we're down one nil. Yeah. I don't know what Holgate's doing there. Exactly. If he thought someone was going to flick it on for Spurs and try to play Harry Kane off, Uh, he stumbles a little bit. Maybe that was part of it. But no, I think you got it right. If Michael Keane's going to step out onto that ball, he's got to make a play on it. So if he misjudges it or not, I, I kind of hang that on him. Maybe Mason Holgate should have stayed with Harry Keane. If you're playing left center half there, uh, you probably can't leave that guy alone. But that, that's kind of a decision he made in, in the heat of the moment. Either way, both those two. Sadly, I wish this was their only mistake collectively, but... Um, Whereas you would have thought that they would have played pretty well together. They did play pretty well together at times last season. That was a bad moment. Um, But you got to give Harry Kane a little bit of credit, though. That first touch is a little bit of a bouncer, but my God, left foot. I mean, nothing Jordan Jordan Pickford could do do about that. Um, About the only encouraging thing about that was we had a pretty quick response. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, we then win the penalty just four minutes later. It was... uh... I think Allen, who challenges in when gets it off of Ndombele, goes to Michael Keane, plays it out to Gilfie. Uh, Gilfie takes off. Lots of space, lots of time. Siggy squares it to James. And, and really, Spurs in general just made a really poor transition from offense to defense yeah. in this case. And Regulon is really slow to get back. Um, and it's a weird one because, like, immediately, I mean, it's obviously a penalty. Nailed on pen. You look at yep. the replay and it's like, it almost looked like Hamas like kicked the ground before he would have even, would he have even been able to get the shot off had he not been fouled, but uh, ends up being irrelevant. Of course, Penn all day. I like the Richarlison appeal for the goal scoring opportunity, trying to get the, <laughs> that's so rich. The extra I, mean, punishment. So, I know. 
I, yeah, I think what's equalized and the response is, is huge, right? Yeah, it was, is important. Um, the best time to score is obviously a second that the other team gives the ball away. Um, Michael Keane deserves a little credit for a one touch pass, but Gilfie, look, no offense to Gilfie, but if Gilfie Sigurdsson's carrying the ball 60 yards and that is Spurs is not getting back set up on defense, I think that would afford you the time to do it. He's yeah. not really the swiftest, uh, but boy, he had tons of space. No one kind of pressured the ball. He made a great square ball. I mean, there's no question. It had speed on it. What was particularly infuriating to me is that they continually showed replays of it without showing where I think the contact happened. I think Regulon yeah. clipped Hamez's leg earlier. I think that's uh, why he stumbled. Okay. Um, but it was like, it was funny. The announcers on NBC Sports were just kind of like, I don't know why they keep showing us this. They didn't say it quite that way, but they basically were. And my thought was, uh-oh, it's Everton. So, uh We've got to keep showing replay somehow to make it look like they didn't deserve a penalty because yeah. it's Everton. I mean, sometimes I don't have that inferiority complex about us, but I can see why some would at times as Americans, it's kind of good to be separated from that a little bit, but I just, I, have you ever seen more replays for something that I thought was a nailed on Clear's day? Yeah. It was I mean, a bit strange. Even if he doesn't totally hatch at him, the bottom line was he he did something. There was some contact there, and it was a bad play. And it was a deserved pen, and and Stiggy deserves credit for an absolute. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, he hammered that ball too. I mean, open foot hammered it like that. He looks really confident on pens right now. He had an outstanding match, really. And you know, I've been really critical of him recently. It was great to see him step up and uh, bang. Suddenly, it's one one and game on. Yeah, there's the. Of course, he's had his, in the recent past, struggles with finishing penalties, but that seems to be uh, put behind him this season. He's been clinical as can be. Um, he deserves so credit, too. Yeah. I, I think he's a, he's probably worked on some different pens, and people get the book out on you, you know, so you really want one going one way and one going the other, typically. But, you know, you got to mix it up sometimes, and he knows he's going to take a lot of them for, for club and country, and you look at his numbers over his career, they're pretty, they're pretty darn yeah. impressive, frankly. They're Consistent. not quite Leighton Baines territory or... Um, I think Letizia still has the record for the Premier League. I don't know if he missed one, but the point is, like, you got to give him a little credit at some point for his efficiency in doing that, even if he had a bad stretch for Everton. Every every penalty kick has any penalty taker has a little bit of that. Um, but from then on, it was pretty much all Everton, other than Kane's kind of attempted crazy chip on on Pickford. We had a really good stretch here, I think, yeah. where it's a little surprised we didn't score, but it was encouraging. Yeah, the response, again, the response is so key. You go down on an individual mistake and you don't let it bog you down. <clears throat> you get right back to it. You equalize and then you keep the pressure on. And Spurs were certainly on the back foot, at least for the remainder of the first half. I mean, you had Awobi getting involved. Before they even finished the replays. I mean, next thing you know, yeah. Wobi's like running down there. I don't know what happened there. He, I guess. Or no, before that, that's that's the one where Hamas hit that crazy knuckleball. Yeah. Um, where kind of a Wobie to Tom Davies to Hamez. Hamez takes a little dribble, runs forward. It's it's actually kind of a tricky. He hits it right at Larice, but the ball was already kind of spinning funny when it was on the ground. And he hit it as a knuckler. Larice made a really good save on it. And I think while they were showing those replays, next thing you know, bang, a Wobie's flying down with the ball, hammers it right into Gilfie. It looked like it might have been going wide. It was hit hard. Um, and then and then we had another one where you know right after that was the one where Hamez almost scored. I, this was actually quite an amazing play. If you think about it, it was like Alon Hamez, 
he had that sick back flick with his left foot kind oh, of yeah oh my god right to Gilfie yeah. and and Gilfie at the t- one thing we deserve a lot of credit for that zone 14 what people talk about when you divide up the pitch the danger spot where a lot of the goals and assists are kind of created we were in there today and there are times where we were not Gilfie in that spot with time and space is deadly plays Hamez through Hamez is a lot stronger than people realize he fended off a defender he got that shot away, and I'll tell you what, it was a little bit directed at Lloris. I was surprised he got such a clean shot off. Lloris makes a pretty darn good save because he hit yeah. it early and he hit it hard. Man, I mean, it could have been 2-1 for sure. Yeah, look, I mean, Lloris had, a, I thought, a really good game. and We had to put him under a lot of pressure. We hit yeah, a lot of shots right did. at him, but um, he was also pretty commanding in his box, I thought. Now, the one I wanted to call out, I mean, that more or less took us to halftime. There was a, a Richarlison header from the 12 that never really had much of a chance of going in. But that free kick from James from like oh, right 40 after yards half? out. Right or no, right half. at the end. Was that right at the end of half? He was, I think, right at the last minute of stop yeah. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, the announcers rightly called it out. It was a picturesque. Puts it right on the six from, yeah, like 40 yards out. I mean, the quality to be able to play a ball like that. Perfect the man distance away incredible. from the keeper. So the keeper couldn't really right. come out on it. He's frozen. That's, it takes does an Godfrey awkward need hop. to do better better there? It's a tough hop. I know. that it's It skips off the pitch a little bit. He probably could do better, but I, it's just, it's such a good ball. It's disappointing not to have it finished, but I... It's not it's not as easy as perhaps it perhaps it looked or from the distance that it was out. It was skipping off the pitch pretty, pretty uh rapidly. Agree. I, I think we're pretty happy at halftime at this point. Yes. I know it's one one, but I felt like we were coming on. I felt like we were the better, the better side. And and I was encouraged. I thought going forward we would also be the better side. And I, I think for the most part that that happened. I think we started out okay. And then Spurs started coming on kind of in in about the 52nd where Sun just oh. absolutely destroys Michael Keane almost almost broke his ankles, you know, NBA style. Yeah. Michael Keane did not have a good match. Pick makes a nice job coming out on him. Um Michael Keane has not been right, I feel like, since since the new year. Maybe I feel like he sat out one match because he was hurt or maybe off or needed a break. Um and then, and then we had another example in the 56 where Kane turns Alon here. Alon's got to do a little better on this play, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Kane, look, s- superb player, but Allen needs to be on goal side all the time. You you can't let yeah. Harry Kane have that space. And he's shown Harry Kane this year the ability to like drop deeper and, and really create for his teammates, obviously, especially. What a player. Hassan, but, um, I mean, what a player, man he's he's something else man and uh he ends up playing it to Ndombele Dean gets a block in a one-on-one um that deflection that almost goes just in over too. yeah it's scary it's just over the crossbar how I mean Dean does really well here I think yeah huge I mean he had a really good game and and it's just we're so accustomed to it from Luca Dean we said this off air that you know you almost don't really notice but he just such a good one-on-one defender blocking things, anticipating, reading the match. Um, and that was the 56th. And then in the 57th, Alderver, Alderweireld uh, almost beats Pickford near post with a header. And then in 61st minute, Carlos seen enough and he wants to change things up. 
It's a great move. We turned it on from then on too. Like we said before, the right, uh, the wide space was not being exploited. Uh, I don't think Alex Awobi is the right one to exploit it. Frankly, um, I thought it was a good sub. Godfrey got forward a couple times in that space, but we know he's not going to really serve a ball. Um, Awobi really didn't do much today. I know I'm the staunch oh. defender of Alex Awobi. I think in this instance. We've gotten away with him early in the season. He played pretty well on the right side, uh, even though he's not well suited for it. Um, but today, the setup wouldn't have made any more any sense. You know, Hamez ducking inside, Alon and Davies staying very crowded and compact in the middle, and Gilfie tucking inside to provide Dean the wide space. Awobi cutting inside is really not what you want out there. It yeah. kind of begs to ask the question. I've never thought that King was comfortable on right wing, frankly. So when we picked him up, I thought people were overstating his ability to play that side. He probably wasn't entirely fit either today. So I understand him starting off the bench, but if that's the space you want to exploit, even Seamus Coleman's not the perfect guy to do it. He likes to cut inside and take the half space too. But in this instance, he's probably better equipped to go out there and maybe serve a ball in, even if he's not the most dramatic crosser than Alex Awobi. So I thought it was the right sub and, um, Sure enough, I mean, almost immediate impact. Yeah, proven right instantaneously. Less than two minutes on the pitch for Seamus Coleman. I think it's one of his first touches. So Tom Davies wins the header to Coleman. Coleman just sort of bursts forward. Huge first touch, runs with it. Little one-two with Richarlison. Coleman in space. Uh, First time cross. Bullet cross. Super low, super well hit. And this is from Sigurdsson. One of the best finishes. People saying this is potentially our goal of the season. Uh, You'd probably be hard-pressed to find a good counter-argument for that. It's such a good finish from Gilfie on the half volley. And uh, just sensational goal. Yeah, no question about it. It, it, We watch those YouTube finishing videos for Everton. That's basically what it was. And and no one can argue the technical proficiency of Gilfie Sigurdsson. When he has a moment, when he has time and space, He's fantastic and deadly. Um, I've got the Siggy jersey on now, which is the funniest part about it today. I even know people people think that I dislike him. No, I respect the guy tremendously. Think about it. He's not a phenomenal natural athlete. Yeah. You know, he's big, he's slow, he's kind of cumbersome. You know, he's not very agile. But but take those raw materials. What he has made himself into as a player is amazing. Yeah. Um, he's smart. He was great defensively today and left mid, even though he's not necessarily equipped to be that type of defensive stalwart. He got in the box a lot. He was dangerous. He found time and space. He's not the best at that, um, but he really did today. I thought the setup played in his favor. It was good to see him and Hamas being able to play together. And this finish is just absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you what, Richarlison should deserve a lot of credit for a great one touch, you know, kind of playing the ball behind and Seamus with a great run. You know, it, it, it remember when Seamus could really fly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you see glimpses of it now. It's difficult to watch a player that's not quite the way he was once, but it's nice to see glimpses of it. People forget Seamus Coleman debatably was the best right back in the entire Premier League at one point. Um, and I, I've been very impressed with his leadership, saying the right things. It was so nice for him to come in immediately and provide that kind of spark. He was a fighter today, too. Uh, he was in yeah. Joe Ronan's face at one point about oh, clipping so him good. later. Yeah, good. I, l- we need more of that. We need more of that than Godfrey. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm always the one that's like analytical about everything, right? But <laughs> we do. We need fire. You know, we need a little bit of that. And, and that was important today. 
that finish. I mean, what do you say to that? You know, and, and, and then I feel like we really took off at that point. We were putting them to the sword to the point where Jose had seen enough and finally pulled out in Dombele and Regulon. Regulon was not happy about that sub. And he shouldn't have been. I mean, they were exploited. We finally exploited that space. He wasn't really effective going forward. And we know how good he was. And Dombele had faded. He was turning the ball over like crazy. And then, of course, I think this is the first mistake is, is a shame. Fine. One of these. Okay. This last one, I think, was unforgivable. I, I don't even know what to say about it. It, it was very frustrating. This is the type of thing that happens during a season where you just kind of put your hands up and be like, "Do are we? Really, guys? Really? We're doing this again. We're we're really gonna. Yeah, are we doing this again? Really? It's such a frustrating goal to concede again, having been on the front foot, and and Jose clearly was concerned, and so you had the throw in. We're set up fine to deal with it, Hamas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What the heck? And it's a slip up. Uh, Dean's on Aurier. Lamella crosses it. Um, Potentially a slight deflection off Davies. Mason Holgate backpedaling, not really sure what he's doing. Out of sync with Keen. Um, Keen heads it into Holgate, ricochets to Harry Kane again. Harry Kane alone in front of the goal. What do you expect is going to happen? Are you saying that's not a good idea? Do we, we don't, we don't we want to give opposition the best striker in the league, potentially in the world, uh, basically free goals. No, I don't, I don't recommend it as a winning strategy. You should be a manager. That's my ta- expert tactical analysis right there. <laughs> yes, yes. Our ta- our tactical analysis suggests that scoring more goals than the other team is usually very useful. In this instance, I, I don't know what Mason Holgate's doing here. I don't know if Michael Keane's not communicating with him. Uh, I thought maybe he was. What mystifies me is there's no one in the stadium. He definitely can hear you. Why is he backpedaling there? He tries to duck out at the last minute. Can Keane hit it somewhere else maybe with the header? I, I don't. This is absolutely a disgrace. I cannot believe two mistakes like this happen. We're totally dominating the match at this point. I feel like we got a little de- deflated after yeah. this too. And, and Spurs suddenly looked very dangerous where they had not all game. Part of it were th- was the subs and they had energy and kind of initiative. Uh, it's so irritating. Of course, it spurred a bunch of absolutely knee-jerk reactions about how bad our center halves are and go buy, sell everyone to buy Koulibaly <laughs> afterwards, which, you know, stuff like that's really irritating to me. But, man, that was really disappointing. And because then suddenly Spurs kind of came came right back at us, um, you know, and, and almost scored here. I think the 70th, uh, early 70th minutes were definitely dominated by Spurs, um, and it was concerning. Yeah, I mean, the way the momentum swings in this game work, right? I mean, we equalize, and then we're kind of on the front foot, and then we take the lead, then Spurs level, and they have the momentum yet again. And, yeah, Sun had a deflect, weird deflected shot um, in the 71st. And Coleman has that weird header back to him, ultimately, right. at the top of the 18. And then the Kane flicked header that oh. uh, was almost unbelievable, in just an absurd goal. If that's a foot farther to the left, does Pickford get that thing? I, I it's does. hard because because I think Kane, when the play happened, had like called for. He said he he touched it. He thought that he got a piece of it, but it ended up outside of the post. But I don't. I mean, you put it that precisely in the top corner. I don't think there's much many keepers can do about it. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. Yeah, it's probably Pick's kind of weakness there, the recovery, and he just doesn't have the length sometimes to get right. in those far reaches. Uh, as good as he is on on the lower shots, you know, this isn't his bread and butter, so it would have been 
kind of unfortunate if that went in. It would have been very lucky. Um, Lamella had another play where he just ran basically by everyone. He's fresh, though, in their defense. I mean, he doesn't hit the greatest shot. It's high difficulty, but it was still a chance. Um, and then, you know, in the 79th, basically, James' only bad touch all match. He gets clipped, by the way. Um, I guess you're not yeah. going to kick it out there. Uh, but in essence, you've got 3v3, you know, Spurs running with it. Kane lays it off to Sun. Sun takes off. Um, gets it wide to Kane. He's kind of left, kind of cuts inside. It, it, Godfrey makes a very nice block. Pick jumps on it, scrambles. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, man, this is not good. But really, Spurs did nada after that. Everton really picked it up. Um, it was it was impressive. Um, I, I, I've said from day one, I think this team really does have a lot of character. What it lacks in depth, what it's suffering from injuries. There is truly some character on this team. But I'll tell you, the 84th, that was our chance. Our chance to do Huge take the three chance. points probably deserved. This was the one. And, you know, what can you say, James? Richarlison has not had the best year finishing. No, he certainly hasn't. And this was, of course, shortly after the Josh King uh, substitution for Tom Davies. So there was a uh, Hoiberg. <clears throat> well, Dyer makes a lazy pass. Hoiberg uh, can't get it. Allen picks it up, intercepts, makes a break. Richarlison drops, plays it first time to Hamas. I mean, this is some really nice slick buildup, similar to oh, the second yes. goal. Hamas gets forward, King cutting in, a really nice run in this through ball from Hamas. The, the perfection, his ability to just slot that through ball and wait. I mean, you saw, I know you saw him make the run, right? He just waits and he waits, and you're thinking, play him the ball, playing yeah. the ball. But there were three people in the way, and the second he lets it go, you're thinking, oh, that's in the middle of nowhere. Nope. nope. No, I mean, you, you know, let me say this. The elite athlete is the guy that can kind of see it happening before it happens and play it out. Yep. Like I, I remember growing up in Pittsburgh, you know, watching Mario Lemieux play he, him and Wayne Gretzky, the only two guys I've ever seen it. They throw a pass out there and you're like, who the heck is that too? Now hockey is, is faster than soccer. Obviously you're on skates going 25 miles an hour. Uh, so it's maybe more magnified, but this was one of those plays where you saw the run, you know, he couldn't quite get it to him. And all Hamas is doing is, how do I get the ball to him? I mean, that's the brilliance of the guy. He has yeah. so many different ways to do it. If you're, I'll tell you what, if you're a dad or a young kid out there, learn to use all aspects of your feet. I mean, truly, and learn to deliver a ball in many different mechanisms. This is just fantastic. King probably can do a little bit better with this one, I would say. Yeah, yeah he I mean, probably should. And even uh, Richarlison on the rebound, probably. Oh, that's the one. He's got to score there. I mean, he's got to score there. Um you know, King hits it kind of right at Larice. I know he wanted to play it across his body. He didn't quite get it. It wasn't the best finish. Um, I mean, rebound comes right to Richie. What does he think? He almost like hit it, tried to go across the grain because yeah. Larice was coming over. Don't we think he just needs to open up the foot and just blast it straight ahead? Don't we think? Yeah, I, I think he just tries to overcomplicate it. And I think you can say that about Richarlis and Alant this season. He just tries yeah. to do a little bit too much. You, you take that first opportunity he had where he tries to curl it. Um, just tries to, to go a bit beyond it. And, you know, when he was having, when he's been on successful goal scoring runs for us, it's been pretty simple stuff. He's not always, you know, he'll, he'll beat guys one-on-one -on -one sometimes and just rope stuff in the bottom corner, but frustrating day at the office for Everton feeling like they've, well, I feel like they probably let themselves down more than anything else with the mistakes and not taking the chances, but 
Again, Hugo Lloris had a good game, but you look at the XG, Ryan, you start digging into the stats and it really highlights just how unfortunate it was that we couldn't take three points from this match. I think XG philosophy had it lower in some other places did. I mean, Y scouts got us 3.3 to 1.08. Now, granted the penalties 0.76. So, so that's, that makes it look maybe a little worse than it was. Richarlison had, you know, one full expected goal by himself. He's not finished well this year, which we'll get into in a second, but look, the possession was us, you know, I, 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 but again, why did they not pressure us? I think Jose got this one wrong. I mean, look, so one thing that we've talked about on the pod that we did at the beginning of the year to say we need to improve our possession and progression, but possession as well. So having midfielders that can receive a ball, I think a very underrated stat, underappreciated, very appreciated in the analytic community, just trying to figure out how to weigh it is the ability to receive a ball. And the receiver has very much almost as much responsibility as the passer does, making sure that pass completion happens and happens in a way where you can be productive with it afterwards. Really, that first touch is so important, either to get away from pressure or set up your next play. Tom Davies, 95% receiving rate. Alon, who is the master at it, 97.4% receiving rate today in midfield. We won the battle of midfield. I don't understand why Jose didn't pressure us more. Look at the difference between the Spurs team and the Brighton team. Now, granted, Tom Davies was by himself in isolation. How often did he receive the ball against Brighton without someone on his back? And you could see the quality of his first touch was not good against Brighton because he was under pressure to make plays. When you let two central midfielders have time and space on the ball, and they let us have time and space on the ball way too much today, you can see what we can do. I mean, Gilfie Sigerson, no wonder Gilfie has done so well against Spurs in two matches. Yeah, um, he's got all day. He does. And then you look at the tactical setup. Again, Sun was very isolated with Kane dropping deep. So it's good on one half that that's how they got their creation. But, I mean, Sun had one durable attempt. But he had three bad touches, dispossessed four times. And Ndombele was the same way. And Ndombele's receiving rate, 67.9%. Yeah. We won the battle of midfield, man. There's no question about it. And I think the, the encouraging aspect of this is, remember when we went into the break and came back after the international break, both you and I got on this pod and said, our concern is, can we create goal-scoring chances? James is back. Is he the number one way we can do it? I mean, the answer is probably yes. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> but look at it. As the team touches in the box, where Charleston six, James three, Guilty five, Dean three, Godfrey four. Four. Yeah. That is massive. Like that's the difference between this Everton team and the one before that was playing without Hamas and without so many other people. It's the ability to get the ball in dangerous areas in more frequency with time and space. And you saw it. Um, I think we had some good individual performances today. I thought we played very well. I actually thought we played better today than we did against palace, both games that you could argue we deserve three points from. It just didn't happen. We didn't quite finish. Maybe it's Richarlison. I don't know. But but the point being is, if you did this all year, you're going to win a lot more matches. However, a balanced take is very simple. We won some matches we probably didn't deserve to win earlier. Yep. And now we're getting a little bit of bad luck. And the bottom line is, when you have a team that, going into the season, we thought if everything went well, we'd be pushing for sixth. With all the injuries, we're probably more like a seventh, eighth team. And where do we sit? Seventh, eighth. So I, 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 I think it's fair. You know, I think we're probably about where we, we should expect to be. Um, I will say this. We keep playing like this, and maybe this is a little bit Spurs, letting us play this way. Uh, we keep playing like this, though. Good things, good things are going to happen. Um, yeah, let's move into the player observations. Um, you know, I, 
I already made a Knott's Berry Farm reference by the time the match had started. Uh, only my Southern California brethren are going to understand that. I think they were shocked to find out that I grew up partially in L.A. Uh, but I was and so I'm not happy with Alan Brody, by the way. <clears throat> I'm very happy with Alan Brody. Yeah, I'm, you his would favorite, be. I'm his favorite co-host now. So it's only two to choose from, and you deal just... with it. <laughs> right, man. Um, so my comment was, uh, look, tough results, but it's obvious that the Brighton match was like many sane people said, not indicative of the Everton team. Please, I just encourage our listeners. Our listeners are a pretty rational group, but other people stop making every micro example or event to be some massive referendum on the state of all things Everton. Um, the Palace in this match were good performances, man. I mean, it happens. Yeah, it does. It, 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 you get it's that's the way things go. You know, if you, you could just uh, beat every team that you were better than on paper, then, you know, that's why they play the game. So uh, I think uh, T Linguini, Tony Toffee, Tampa, little good alliteration there. Had a I know. response that to that and said, uh, I like the aggressive approach to the game and gang mentality by Everton. Okay, maybe a little more macho than the gangs in West Side Story. Sorry, bad analogy. Because well, he put that gif of like West Side Story sharks, you know, and in jets, which is funny. I was like, oh, man. And that was it, I think, at halftime. So, I mean, look, it was a good collective performance, but I think you look at uh, our options up top and the lack of scoring ability, and you think there's potentially a, a dominant Calvert Lewin sized hole in that side that would have made a massive difference today. But the finishing for Richarlison, look, we you, you look at the numbers season over season, and this is by far his worst performance finishing season since he arrived at Everton. Um, still better than his first season in the Premier League with Watford, but uh, he was plus four uh, non-penalty goals, minus expected goals. So he's basically been four above the metric, and now he's three and a half below. I don't know what to say about that. We saw him finish incredibly well the past two years. It seemed consistently beating your XG. Now, the lesson here is, folks, from an analytical standpoint is, I don't care how good you are as a finisher. Very few finishers are truly elite in their ability to exceed their expected goals. That's the whole concept of expected goals, theoretically, is if you're going to consistently create chances better than the other team. And again, there's limitations and sample size and other things historically using a very good model you're not usually gonna gonna exceed it uh, that's that's typically it he's having a very down year but yes it looks very similar to the Watford year um the year before he came over to us I don't know what to say about that though Hamish you know what I mean is this just the way of the world for Richarlison I think he is a better finisher than he's showing this year yeah um but but it's you know you look at what he did I mean his first touch on the on the first shot he had that didn't go well was phenomenal I think about the goal he scored against against Liverpool, where he went in. It was a good through ball by Gilfie, but really the composure, the step around, the finish, the confidence. I don't know what it is, but he's got to start to turn it on these last couple matches. My guess is that he eventually will. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's tired, but but I don't know. I I, I think he's a better player than he's showing this year. But you start to look at those numbers, and you're like, he's had two very uneven finishing seasons and and two very good ones. Um, what is the player going forward? Uh, but most importantly, we are generating the chances. So you got to figure it's going to at least even out, hopefully. But that's probably still not the big score story, I think, today as much as it was in the Palace match. The big story was probably the center center half play. 
Yeah, look, I mean, you look at Michael Keane's statistics. You're playing center half and you don't have a single tackle or interception and you're two for six in pressures. And you make errors. I wouldn't even say like maybe errors in judgment or just split second decision-making errors that result in two goals. He wasn't given actually technically an error in the statistical sense, but uh, no doubt that, you know, his actions resulted in two easy opportunities for Harry Kane. And he also got absolutely wrecked by son in that one so moment. Good. I mean, it's a shared responsibility between the two. I think Andy Watt, you know, at Watt of wild world, um, friend of the program, um, his comment, I think, is right. Holgate at least has the excuse of being moved around from out of position at right back to center half. Okay, there's some of that. Keane's form has slowly been falling off for no real reason. Today was a bit of a watershed versus Chelsea, and I think it was last week. He just heads it down low into danger a lot. I, I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Maybe he's just trying to keep it simple. There is something to be said for continuity in a center-half pairing. Um, it's a lot easier to be good when on defense, especially when you're practicing and playing with the same guys over and over from a shape standpoint. And yeah. I think if you go back and look at our season, some of the teams we've played against that have been very successful. I mean, look at West Ham today. I mean, they, they, I think they got lucky against wolves coming out of the international break when Declan Rice is not in there with Suchek, it makes a big difference, you know? And I think, I think that's, that's not a center half pairing, but the point is that the consistency and the continuity is, is really, really important. I, I don't know what to say about this. You know, Dale Hathaway had a pretty vicious take, I think, uh, at Dale Hathaway. Uh, Dale, his take is, Yerry Mina gets blasted every week when he has been our best center back for two seasons, even with his absences. Keen has, has less than 15 good games a season, not good enough for progression. Sadly, quite a few fellow blues don't really understand the game. That's a little harsh. Um, I've never felt that way. I don't know why you would ever say that, uh, but Michael Keen started out the season exceptionally well. I don't so think anyone well. could argue that. Is that because we are playing in a certain way or, or was he just playing well? Is he streaky? Does he have mental issues? Jordan Bolds, our, our brethren over there at the, at Spurs, um, the Jordan Boldsy. His comment is both off Keen's errors surprisingly, and I think that's fair. I don't think Michael Keen is known for blunders. He may maybe yeah. I think you can be critical of him and his ability to be more expansive, to 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 pressure up the field and be effective. Is his early success attributed to to how we're playing? Is he have what's going on? What do you think it is, Hans? I just think there's there's inevitable ebbs and flows, and unless you're really in that elite top drawer class of player, in this case center half you're going to have inconsistent performances. And I think for the first maybe third of the season, he was arguably our best center back. But as of late, it's just not quite working for him. I, and, you know, we've it's you can say that's been the case for his entire Everton career. He's been very inconsistent, but not game to game. It almost feels like it's in stretches where he'll play really well and then sort of fall off the radar. And people have talked a lot about <clears throat> the potential of a sale of Michael Keane in the summer and what what we could recoup for him, given his you know, status as an England international and all these sorts of things. But I don't know because it, it, it's these isolated moments, but then he also struggles to make a major impact on the game. But 
you know, it wasn't too long ago we were talking about how important his long range passing from the back is to us building up and all these other things and his ability in the air and he wins everything. So I just think it's a it's just an inconsistency thing. And it's been the case for many Everton players throughout the entire season. I think he limits a little bit of what we we can do yeah. in terms of playing higher up the pitch. Uh, I've always said that I don't think he's very comfortable holding the ball under pressure. That being said, if we're we're trying to close out a game and we want to sit a little deeper, he he's excellent in that. You know, it's almost the his old Burnley style of play. Um, I don't know what to say. I still think he has a usefulness. I suppose if someone came in with a big offer, but eventually you got to sit there and still maintain, you know, eight English players. So right. I, I I don't know. The second half of Jordan's comment, I think, was Gilfie has a great game, miss the lad, I think is very funny considering Gilfie's two best games this year, far and away, were both against Spurs. I think it's probably because Jose, for some reason, thinks it's okay to give us time and space on the ball. But Gilfie was excellent today, no question. Oh, superb. So two for three on tackles, six for 12 on pressures, which is decent. Three miscontrols and a dispossession, but of course he ends up with the two goals and despite playing in maybe like the wider areas and, and coming inside into the kind of half space a little bit more given the amount of time that he had that's what his mo is when he's under pressure he really struggles to create space for himself but if you let him sort of sit back and pick a pass that's what he's excellent at and that's exactly what he's done in the last couple of matches against spurs is just fine guys and no question i mean his, his penalties have been huge for us in that finish um, that one touch finishing that he has maybe besides Dominic Calvert-Lewin among the best on the team. Certainly from outside the six, I mean, you can watch yeah. it in drills just on YouTube. I mean, everyone says it too, from a technical standpoint, he's phenomenal. I can't believe any team would let him have time and space on the ball, but he deserves a little credit for finding it too. You know, I can't totally write him off, but you see it. He almost does it. I mean, he's done it against no other team really this year. Right. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just true. I mean, you know, no, believe coming into the game, we mentioned it, you know, all the stuff is created basically off set pieces uh, or dead ball situations. Um, I think also it was really important that Alon came into the team today. Uh, there's no question. I mean, he had six, six tackle attempts. The only, only one, two, I think that's the only criticism. I think he got wrong sided on Harry Kane. I think twice um, examples where the physical aspect of some of the players in the premier league is something you don't see necessarily as often, Maybe in Syria, ah, I don't want to overstate how good the Premier League is. I hate that narrative. I think it's so silly. Um, but he's also not the biggest guy, even though he's tough. And you got to cut him a break. I mean, he's just getting back, right? You know what I mean? Um, but he was commanding with the ball, three for four in dribbles. He had a key pass. His chip up to Richarlison, who was oh. offsides, was ridiculous. He does have the ability to create. People forget he played as a box-to-box -box with when Sari came into Napoli and established himself as truly one of the best box-to-box -box players in the world at the time. I, I kind of wonder if maybe his role is better higher up the pitch. Um, I, similar to Ghana in kind of a strange way. He came up as a sitting six, though. I mean, he has the ability to play with discipline. We haven't seen it maybe as much as I would have liked to see it. Maybe a healthy JPG, or maybe we go out if we can move some guys and get more of a sitter to help him play more aggressively. I like the idea. And then DeGore running around oh, winning yeah. balls all over the place. But he had 24 pressures tonight and was 14 of 24 in those. That is not hard, not easy to do. And Davies teamed up with Davies, who I mean, Tom Davies had 10 passes into the final third, seven of six in long passes. 
both those two, you're right. When you said it earlier, they played more compactly. They were almost next to each other sometime. And they were the key elements that ensure that Ndombele and Son, to a lesser extent, did not, you know, lost the ball a lot. They were yeah. hawking all over him. And I, I thought there was a really good exchange too between DL Barks and, and Wes, um, I guess. But DL, you know, is someone that that has, I think, a lot of intelligent things to say. Um, I thought it was a very interesting exchange, and I, I think it was pretty spot on. Yeah, so uh, DL Barks at Everton Barks says, uh, I mean, Allen comes back, and what do you know? Our midfield looks better. Palace, it was horrible. Missed chances. Should have been three or four nil early. Today, we had arguably our third and four, fourth choice CBs cost us two goals. Mm-hmm. Again, quality matters, and it's really not that complicated. And West replies, he says, thought Davies was better than Alon tonight. Maybe. Uh, Maybe, maybe. And DL Barks makes a good point. He says Davies was better because he had Alon in there. That's the thing people need to remember when a player is added, removed. It just doesn't, it doesn't just impact that position. It cascades. And I think that's true, of course, especially in the midfield when you have these players who are so reliant on one another and how they move and, and the communication and the familiarity and the positioning and all of these things. And it uh, seems like Alon and Davies have, improve their partnership of course we had Davies earlier than the season sort of deputizing for Alon when he was out injured and now there there seems to be this kind of like uh synergy between the two and it was really nice to see both them fit into the same side as well as Gilfi and Hamez which is something we haven't seen uh very be very effective all season it was it's a fluid game you know you had a guy like Awobi didn't play a great game today but a couple of our sequences was because he made a decent pass and everyone else was passing well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's very funny how, you know, the, the last, you know, the weakest link of the chain, you know, often is is the one that kind of undoes you. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it the Chris Armis rule, actually. Uh, watching the old U.S. national teams when we were actually good there was always one player in there that just didn't quite have the same skill aptitude. And it always would fall to that guy right when you need him to make a play. That was my Chris Armis rule. I think I had that rule developed uh, on a very, oh, I won't get into it. A crazy night in South Korea at the World Cup of 2002. That, that's another story. Story for another time. Um, I think it really does matter. And that's why Brighton match, you saw too often where you'd have two or three passes and just it wasn't sustainable. We had no no passing impetus because guys like Mason Holgate and Ben Godfrey, who I think is a better ball player than he's showing with us, aren't going to always make a great touch. Now, if you put people under pressure, that that's much more difficult. And that's what we saw in that match. Today was a little easier, but you can't ignore the movement and the passing and the frequency of it. I mean, we, we were moving the ball faster. No question about it. Um, so let's talk about the defending a little bit. Ben Godfrey, again, he's limited in terms of how he goes forward, but he did get forward. We talked about it. Four touches in the box, but I thought he was very instrumental in helping out neutralize Son, who is one of the best players in the league and was not tonight. I mean, Ben Godfrey had four blocks, or pardon me, five blocks, two interceptions, four tackles. I thought he was really instrumental in what we were doing. And, and I think when we rotated with the ball, playing in essence a virtual back three, you know, with Dean pushed up higher, I thought he was very important in terms of neutralizing their immediate attempts to counter. Yeah, it's really interesting to see Ben Godfrey kind of given the opportunity to play right back, whereas that's been Mason Holgate for the most part. When you have both of them in the side, it seemed like Carlo as very recently has preferred to put keep Godfrey in that center half role and put Mason out there. But I think Godfrey just has that relentlessness about him that really makes him a useful asset for us on the right hand side. And like when he he doesn't get forward too too often, he did 
do that well today, but when he decides to break with the ball, it's like, you know, a bullet train. Like you just can't stop the guy. He's, he wants to go and like, he'll go through any, he'll go through five brick walls. If it means getting forward. Um, he had a couple, and I think maybe there's a little bit of uh naivete there with like, not always choosing the right moment to break forward or trying to beat a guy when it's really yeah. not on. Yeah. But you still love to see the just raw athleticism and power that he has and the potential that, that can materialize in very short amount of time and what he's shown already. Let's ta- talk about this team with a big, powerful active right back on it instead yeah. of Ben moving Godfrey to that left center back position with Mina to his right. I mean, you get, what I know beautiful. you get what it's you beautiful. see today with Ben Godfrey in terms of his athleticism, maybe even someone that's even more active or willing to be active, knowing he's got Mina and Godfrey behind him, um, as well as maybe some better defensive mids and the ability to not just get forward, but you take a guy that can really serve a ball that has skill and get them four touches in the box like Godfrey had today. What does that look like? That's what we're talking about here. It's something we lack. We have no one to exploit that wide space on the right. If you've got guys like Coleman and Godfrey getting in the box like they did today with a guy that can oh. really kill you. Yes, right. We're allowed to dream a little bit here. It's beautiful. But that's where we are as a club. And, and, and we have some limitations in terms of what we can do against players. But that's what I want to see. People keep calling after the match. We need to replace our center halves. You know what? He needs a center half. Yeah, you don't need to replace him if he's playing less center half. And the bottom line is, you got four of them right now. You've got Gibson on loan. You've got Jared on loan too. Those guys aren't ready. I don't know if Gibson's ever going to be there. I know Jared Brantwith has the talent to be there and be really good at one point. He's not there yet. I mean, you know, it's not it's not our biggest issue at this point. You know, and I know Mina gets banged up. Every this just in center halves get banged up. Trust me, yep. I played there. You get the you get I almost I almost said a questionable word. You get the daylights beat out of you, man. That's how it is. That's how, trust Good me. Save. I know. Right. And you dish it out a little bit too. I know that as well. Um, but that's how it is. You know, it's funny. I, we haven't even mentioned James yet, but, but we definitely I, need to. What, what, what more can you say about the guy? He's the best guy in the pitch by, by an absolute mile. I'm sorry. Sorry, Harry Kane, but he was, I mean, he didn't have the advantage of the ball falling to him twice. Yeah. He didn't just get uh, set up. He had to actually create things and create. He did. The numbers I mean, are ludicrous. I mean, they're, 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 they're completely insane. 22 passes under pressure. Crazy, Ryan. I mean, we have, we'll have to look back and see when was the last time anyone on the team had a number like that. I'm going to do that after this, by the way, because some of these numbers, I, I just, I can't imagine anyone's even come close to, but go ahead. Two through balls, 11 progressive carries, as well as nine progressive passes. No one else had more than five, by the way. Seven combined, combined. is it's insane. 20, Ryan. 20. One or the other, I get. Seven shot-created actions, 12 for 16 long passes. Four oh, passes was... into the penalty area. Yeah. And, and look, his progressive distance in passes, 384 yards. And carries, 151. <laughs> I mean, just talk about moving the ball and, and getting it into dangerous areas. Like there's no one better. And we already we've raved and, and praised him endlessly, but it just doesn't quite do it justice. What he brings to this team is just a different stratosphere from what we've had in the past. I can't believe people coming into the season. Pundits thought they were being clever by saying, well, he hasn't worked out at this club. How lazy is that? We pointed out the numbers. We saw the production. We knew how good he was. 
I can't wait too for teams to think that they're going to put someone on him and stop him. That's going to be very amusing to me because he's too strong for that. He's going to get the ball. There's nothing you could do about it. He's going to get the ball. Now, if you want to put someone on him, yeah, you should. He can still sneak by guys. He can hold people off. It's a very special player that has the athleticism, the intelligence, and the strength to to stop him. And um, the bottom line is the more he gets the ball, the better. And we saw that today. I I can't say enough about the guy. He was absolutely amazing. Uh, it, it just even when he's slow to get to a ball and you think, oh, he's barely going to get there. He conjures up some magical ability to get the ball to where it needs to go. It, it, yeah. It's inhuman at times. It, it just doesn't. The guy's incredible. Uh, thank you, Columbia. I don't yes. know what to say, you know, um, and you wonder why, how he's so captivating for an entire country. And you see why. I mean, I, I tell you right now, if the United States of America ever produced a player like this, oh, he would be we can dream. right. But but he's a very special player. And, and um, it's a shame that other people maybe haven't realized it or haven't taken the time and effort to put him in a position to succeed. But you watch that display today and you're just like, Pop. open your eyeballs and watch him. He is just that guy plays for Everton. Incredible. That guy plays for Everton. Wow. Um, I, just absolutely brilliant. Um, Love it. Yeah. I just, I, you know, there's no, no superlatives in the world. I, I can't say enough about the guy. Yeah. And <clears throat> honestly, pretty good note to wrap up on because it was a disappointing result, but we still have a lot of positives to take away from it as we always try to do on the USA toffee pod. But really quickly before we wrap, we didn't even talk about really Luca Dean a ton and still rock solid left back. Like if you get that consistency, if we get a a right back equivalent of Luca Dean, then we are, Mm. uh, we're flying. And a right side, too. I mean, there are a couple comments right after the thing, that, uh, the the match that I thought were good. You know, DL had another one. Um, well, on a positive, we should be looking at Amina Godfrey pairing with Dean at left back and a quality first team right back brought in. Yeah, that combined with an established spine of Alon, DeCorey, and some young athletic depth being brought in sets up nicely for next year. The problem with that is we've just had too many numbers. So, I mean, I think brands would love to bring in those types of kind of smart young signings that could kind of deputize for maybe a little bit that could still play in the first team when people go out and Steven Williams at Steve M Williams. We need a new right winger in a Wobie should be an option for us on the left next year. I totally agree. You know, Wobie can be cutting inside a Wobie could have played the Gilfie position today and done pretty well. Maybe not with the finishing, but definitely with the creation aspect of it, it could carry the ball a little bit more. If you've got someone on the right side that can cut in on their left score, be dangerous, or provide that what you got to be able to exploit all the spaces on the pitch that other teams give you. Not every team's going to give you everything. You know what I mean? Um, but that right wide space has not been exploited very well by us. And I swear, don't tell me Theo Walcott because that is not the guy to do. <laughs> nope. Not, nope. Say that. Um, but yeah, if we can get two players in, maybe three, that could maybe also kind of be a hybrid right wing um, center forward. I mean, the attack is in business. Um <sighs> It's exciting. We saw glimpses of it tonight. And look, yes. the bottom line is I know we I know we tied and some people are disappointed that we didn't get the three points that we deserved. That's kind of as Ronald Kuhlman would say, ah, that's that's football. That's football. Um, that's uh, football. Um, yeah. Well, don't miss no that after every game. Oh, what are you talking about, man? It's stepping stone job at Everton to Barcelona, right? I mean, that's exactly where he should be. Uh, I know. I know. I'm sorry. Couldn't Let's keep it positive here. Ryan. Yes, we did. But the positive is true. I mean, well, look, yeah. we've had two, two out of three matches here. And I think the one is a total anomaly because we're missing all our midfielders where we managed to create a lot more than the other team. Um, and we did it without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who I think is still an important player for us and provides a matchup issue for the other team. Uh, I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen 
we start finishing a little better. And some of that is due to luck. I mean, I, I think we got a good chance of making the run here. I'm encouraged. I'm excited. Uh, I'm optimistic. But, but that being said, I usually am. Yeah, we look ahead to Arsenal next. And look, there's still points to be taken. And I think if we can keep the guys on the pitch and get a few of the guys off the uh, off the injuries list and back on the pitch, we'll be in really good shape for the remainder of the season. But on that note, I think we're going to wrap things up for today. We've got a I'm going to hop over to the uh, Everton USA live event, which is currently going on, I guess. We'll do it live minutes ago. We'll do it live. But thank you all for listening. As always, if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, if you want to follow us on social media or join our discord, you can find all those links at L I N K T R dot E E slash U S A toffee pod. That's link T R dot E E slash U S A toffee pod. Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, until next time, up the toffees.